The scripture reading this morning will be from 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses, or I'm sorry, chapter 9 verses 10 through 12. Chapter 9 verses 10 through 12. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, he is righteousness, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. morning and grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. It's so good to have you here with us this morning. Um, so good to have our sister Stephanie placing membership uh, with us. Stephanie is sitting over there between Melissa and Luke if you didn't know and make sure to give her a warm welcome uh, after uh, services and we're very thankful for her and uh, she's even willing to claim David as her brother. So you know, that says something about it. Melissa's nodding her head, so there. Now, we're very thankful that she is here with us and working with us now, laboring together in the kingdom. This past week, some of you may have heard about hackers, probably more than you've heard in a while, but hackers hacked into the Colonial Pipeline, and by doing this, they held the pipeline ransom, and, and due to a variety of issues, there were gas shortages along the East Coast, and people hearing that uh, this had happened ran to the gas pump and filled as many cars as they, as they could and, and totes and even trash bags full of gasoline, and I kid you not, whenever you see a news line that says, do not fill up trash bags with gasoline, you can guarantee that someone did it, and they did, and so there were the great shortages of uh, gasoline along, along the East Coast this last week. And it reminded me a little bit of when the pandemic started, whenever things started getting a little bit crazy and people ran to the stores and were buying out everything and filling up on a variety of things and there were shortages on, on bread and, and milk. Remember there was a time where we were like, are we ever going to see milk again on the shelves? And of course the toilet paper, which was a new one for me, and um, that was, uh, you know, the, these shortages that, that happened and, and occurred and probably took a lot of us off guard when that happened. Like, suddenly there were these necessities that we took for granted that we really didn't think much about. And all of a sudden we couldn't access them. And we couldn't access them as easily. Now, for many of us that was a shock because in America we're used to abundance. In fact, we could probably say that abundance is normative. The basic necessities that past generations had to struggle for and couldn't accept as being there the next day, we just assume they're going to be there. Abundance is normative within our nation. That's what we're used to, generally speaking. And historically, that's unprecedented. For much of human history, many people and for many nations, foods and, and provisions, these things that we view as basic necessities weren't certain. They weren't a given that they were going to be there. 
But technology advances in, in many ways have, have made our world a better place and, and these things to be produced in abundance. And, and many people have benefited from that and are very thankful for that. And we're very thankful for that as well, that it's easy to go and get these basic necessities off the shelves just from a car drive away. And at the same time, from a spiritual perspective, there is a danger in our present world of convenience and comfort. Because we have become completely self-sufficient. And while that might initially sound good, and in some ways it is, from another perspective it's not so good. Because in our absolute self-sufficiency, we have come to rely very little on God. Now, when the Israelites were coming into the Canaanite nations, this is something that God warned them about. He said, you're going to go into these nations and you're going to find these nice houses that you didn't build. Uh, you, you're, you're going to have these vineyards. You're going to have all of these things. And he said, and then what's going to happen is, is you're going to be filled and you're going to forget about me. Deuteronomy 6, verses 10 through 12. You're going to forget about me. You're, you're going to forget how I was providing for you in the wilderness you're going to forget about how dependent you are on me. And so in your abundance, when it becomes normative, you're going to rely more on those things, and you're going to rely more on your self-sufficiency, and you're going to forget that the only reason that you have these things is because of me. We say a prayer of thanks before our meals, but when was the last time we prayed for a meal that we didn't expect to receive. Whenever we say thanks for a meal, we're essentially thanking God for something that we knew was going to be there. There was probably never a moment in our mind where we assumed or thought that it couldn't be there. Or when was the last time that we were uncertain about when the next meal would come from or where the next meal would come from, when it would occur? And so when it comes to our dependency and our reliance on God, and, and, and specifically when it comes to our prayers, I think sometimes if we're not careful, our prayers can kind of become like the relationship that we sometimes have with our spouse, where we come to just accept the fact that they're there and there are benefits from having them there, but we come used to having them there. We just assume they're going to be there and that... They're going to be there to help in this way. And we, we begin to take advantage of that relationship because they're always there. And sometimes if we're not careful, our prayer life can become like that. Where we just assume that we're going to receive things and we're going to receive these necessities. And so we're thanking God for something that we know is going to be there. Now in contrast to this, in Jesus' teaching on the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us, that when we talk to God, we talk to Him with dependent requests. That there is a certain level of dependency that we have when we speak to God. And so He gets to a point in the prayer where He says, I want you to pray in this way. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Now... Before this segment within the prayer and after this segment within the prayer, there's a lot of lofty things, right? Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Very lofty. 
after this request, a lot of lofty theology, forgive us. Lead us not into temptation. And right in the middle of these very lofty claims and these very lofty requests is this, what seems to be a very common request. God, give me some bread. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever noticed how out of place this actually seems. Very lofty spiritual concepts on either side and smack dab in the middle. I need some bread, God. Give me some bread. What exactly is Jesus trying to teach us about our prayers and how we should talk to God when he says that we should speak to him in this way? What does it really mean to be dependent upon God for even some basic necessities? And how do we engage with that? How does that look like in our modern day when we really don't feel very dependent on God for some of these basic things? I'm convinced that what Jesus is talking about here isn't just located, isn't just confined to our prayer life, but rather actually extends to the rest of our life. That if within prayer we learn to be more dependent upon God, this affects the rest of our life and actually makes our life better. And so this morning we're continuing our series that we titled How to Talk to God in a series we're doing through the Lord's Prayer. And this morning we want to see, we talk to God with dependent requests. But what does that mean? Well, Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, and I want us to read through the prayer again. We're going we're gonna to read through the prayer every week, because I want it to be in your heart, your mind. I'd love for you to memorize it, if you could. But if you turn to Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 8. Do not be like them, the pagans, that is. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you of your trespasses. Give us this day our daily prayer. Praying to God with dependent requests. If I'm going to do that, if this is going to become a part of, of how I pray to God, how I talk to God, then there's three things that I need to recognize. There's three things that I need to recognize if I'm going to talk to God in this way. Number one, you have to recognize that every day you are in need. Every day I am in need. Every day each of us is in need. Now, whenever God comes to the Israelites in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14, he's talking to Moses. He declares his name to Moses. Do you remember what his name is? He says, I want you to tell them that I am has sent you. I am who I am, or I am. The ego a me within the Greek. The tetragrammaton. I am God's name. Now, that name isn't just a name. It says something about who he is. It says something about his character. And what it's talking about is God is absolutely self-sufficient. God doesn't need anyone or anything to exist. He is the bush that does not burn. The fire, remember the fire that, that comes to Moses in that scene in Exodus chapter 3. The flame is burning, but it's not consuming the bush. It doesn't need the bush to live. It doesn't need the bush to exist as a fire. And so it's, God is self-sufficient. 
completely I am. He's dependent upon no one or nothing to exist. And nothing can thwart his purposes and his will. But you know who can't say that? You know who can't say I am and just finish it there? Me. And you. All of us are dependent upon someone. All of us have been dependent upon something. And even at this present moment, you are dependent upon someone or something. In fact, maturity is learning to recognize what I am not, right? What I am not. In some ways, maturity is becoming less dependent upon your parents, young people, less dependent. I know the parents say amen to that, but less dependent upon your parents. But in other ways, maturity is about recognizing what I am not. I am not a mechanic. I learned that a long time ago. I wish I was. And so whenever I have car issues, I've got to call on my dad. And he usually helps me out. I am not a handyman. I wish I was. YouTube is my handyman, right? Whenever I have issues, I go to YouTube. How do you do this, right? Usually there's a video on there. But even more so, I'm not as wise as I think I am. I don't know everything. I need the counsel and the wisdom of other people. I'm not as patient enough as I need to be at times, and so I need others to bear with me. And what Jesus teaches us in this simple request of, Lord, give us our daily bread, is that he's saying, you need to recognize that when you're coming to God, and you're talking to God, that you stand in need. That you are in need. And probably one of the most central positions of prayer to come to God is to come to Him with empty hands. It's a recognition that, God, you have something that, that I need. And, and without you, I am nothing. Notice that the phrase begins with a simple word. Give. Give me something. This is a position of requested dependence upon God. God has something that I, by my own resources, and by my own talents, and by my own cleverness, cannot gain on my own. And this means that, that if, if I have a need of God, there's never a point in your life, there is never a point in your walk with God where you're going to come to God and have everything together. There is never a point in your walk of faith where you say, okay, now I've got everything together. Now I can come to God. No, Jesus says every time you come to God, there is a request of give me, God. I need something that only you can give me. I stand in need of you. And so it means that if you're waiting to have everything together before you seek God in prayer, then you're never going to seek Him in prayer. Scripture tells us that God is a God who loves to give to his children. James chapter 1 and verse 5, and we're going to come back to this, but he says, for example, if you need wisdom, come to God, and he'll give it to you. And he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't rebuke you for asking for more wisdom. You know, there's times as fathers where our kids come to us, Dad, can I have this? Can I have this? Can I have this? And you finally just, no, stop asking. And God says, come on. Come on. I want to give. 
I want to give you all the wisdom, like he's talking about in James 1 and verse 5, that I can give you. I want you to have this. It also means that if, if we're coming from a stance of dependence and need within prayer, what this also means is that if I lack a desire to pray, if I lack a desire to pray, then maybe, just maybe, it's because I don't really think that I need God. If the central heart of prayer is, God, I need something that only you can give me. If I don't have a desire to pray, then maybe it's because I don't really think I need God. I've got it together. I've got a nice job. I've got a nice car. I've got a nice retirement account. People like me. I've got stability. What do I really need? What can God really offer me that I don't have? But if you live long enough, God will open your eyes to see how much you actually do need him. In fact, if you're struggling with a desire to pray and a desire to recognize how much you need God, I want to encourage you to do another spiritual discipline that is often connected to prayer in scripture. And that is I want to encourage you to fast. Because if you want to be reminded of how weak and how helpless you really are, then fast for a day. Because all of a sudden, you are reminded that I can barely go two meals without wanting to hurt someone, right? I, 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 am, I am weak, and, and I am dependent, and I am in need. And so in Scripture, you see fasting connected with prayer. Acts 14 and verse 23, for example. Fasting and prayer. So if you want to kind of super shock your system into reminding yourself of how in need you are of God, conjoin fasting with prayer. Interestingly, Jesus says you need to ask God to give you bread. Again, I, I think that probably many of us have asked God for quite a few things in our lives. I don't know how many of us have actually ever asked God for bread. Give us bread. It shows how different the cultures are because, again, we take bread for granted. Not only can we get bread, you, you go to H-E-B and you have a thousand different breads to choose from, right? You have all kinds, not only do you have a thousand different kinds, uh, different kinds of wheat and different kinds of white and all kinds of different choices. But in Jesus' day, bread was a staple that couldn't be assumed would be there the next day. It was their main source of caloric intake. It was a main staple within their meals within the first century. Now, daily bread that Jesus is talking about here could be talking about maybe the daily ration of bread a day laborer would receive, or he could be talking about the daily bread that he would buy for his family at the market from the, the wage that he had received that day, or maybe it was the bread that they were making that day. Whatever it is, it wasn't something that was easily accessible. It wasn't even something that was easily preserved. So you couldn't keep bread for a super long time without it going stale and having issues. And so they were just concerned about the bread that day. God, give me the bread this day that I need. Now, whether we recognize it or not, these basic necessities are elements which we are completely dependent upon God for. It was read earlier, 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 10, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food 
will supply and multiply your seed for sowing, increase the harvest of your righteousness. It was an understanding from Paul's perspective that God is the one that gives these basic necessities, these basic provisions that we take for granted so often. It seems mundane, doesn't it, to pray for bread? Again, it seems kind of common to pray for bread in the midst of these very lofty requests before and after. It doesn't seem very spiritual to pray for these daily necessities when they come so easily to us, especially today. But I think in praying this way, in praying for God, God, give me what I need today. Give give me what I need just today. It reminds us of our utter dependence upon God. That That at a very basic and fundamental level, if God is not a part of the picture, I'm destitute. That I need these basic things from God. These basic things that I take for granted every single day. In fact, the dependence is daily. We, we sang a moment ago, I need thee every hour. Love that song. And what Jesus is talking about here is that when you come to talk to God, you're coming to someone that you need every moment of every day of every hour of your life. And if you don't recognize that, then you probably won't have a desire to pray. But if you really recognize how much you need God, it's not, it's not simply a matter of obligation. Prayer is not a matter of obligation. It is a matter of desperation. God, I need you. And I need you to look upon me, and I need you to think about me, and I need you to care about me. I need you to be a father who gives. And this is why, interestingly enough, the more that we mature in faith, we pray more, not less. Because we become more dependent upon God's grace and his mercy. A prayer that recognizes its daily need might sound something like this. Abba Father, today I need you. I may not know how or in what ways, but I am utterly dependent on you for my most basic needs. But most of all, I am in need of you, your presence, your provision, your power in my life. Every breath I need you to sustain and uphold me by your gracious hand. Which leads us to our second point. If I'm going to pray to God with dependent requests, I have to recognize that every day I I am in need. And number two, I have to recognize that every moment God's grace provides. Every moment God's grace provides. There's a fundamental truth about God's character that is implied in Jesus instructing us that we should ask God to give us something. And the fundamental truth that is implied about this request is this, that God is a God who delights to give. He is a God who delights to, out of his abundance, provide for his people. The word that the Bible uses to describe God's gracious gift-giving is grace. Grace. It's, it's charis. It's closely related to gift. But the thing about God's grace is we like to think about God's big moments of grace. 
you know, God's big acts of grace where he gives us these incredible things. But Jesus says that prayer reminds us that every moment of our existence pulses with the rhythm of God's grace. That every moment, daily, we are in need. In fact, it would seem that all of Scripture is trying to convince us of one truth. That God desires our good. And we struggle with it. I mean, we really struggle with that. Because it goes all the way back to the beginning of Eden, right? We're still believing the lie that Satan told us so long ago. That God doesn't really care. That he's just trying to hold you back. And that he doesn't want your good. That was the lie in Eden. And sadly, many of us are still believing that lie. We still believe that God doesn't want our good. And so we don't come to him. We're afraid to pray, your will be done. Because as we previously mentioned before, we don't trust in his love. And if you don't believe enough in God's love, you're not going to believe enough to trust in his will. And so what Jesus is saying here, listen, right here in the heart, in the middle of these lofty themes, there is this central truth that God is a God who does not become so focused on these grand ideas of his kingdom coming that he forgets that his people still need bread. That's the type of God that he is. In fact, Jesus tries to convince his disciples that over and over again. For example, in Luke 11, 9 through 13, he says, listen, how many of you, if your son comes to you and says, Dad, can I have some bread? Are you going to give him a rock or a snake? He said, how much more so will the Father give? If we don't believe this about God, then we're not going to pursue him in prayer. And Jesus shows us that we recognize the major victories. Before we recognize the major victories of God's grace, we must recognize the mundane provisions. We serve a creator who is mindful of our physical needs. These basic things that we look over. In fact, later he's going to say in chapter 6, don't you know that God cares for you? Don't you know that if he, if he cares about the birds, then he cares about you? Don't you know that if he cares about the flowers, that he cares about you? Don't you know that he loves you? And he's going to take care of you? He said, just trust in him. Trust in him. And so when I talk to God... I want my prayers filled with language that recognizes his daily grace. To thank him and to say, Father, every minute of this day from morning until evening is filled with your grace. Thank you for this and for this and for this. These basic things that we take for granted every day. So if I'm going to talk to God with dependent requests, I have to recognize every day I stand in need. Every moment God's grace provides. And then thirdly and finally, I have to recognize that every gift declares God's love. Every gift declares God's love. There was a recent study done back in 2016 that shows that people who have a sense of entitlement are more likely to be disappointed with life. Surprise, surprise, right? People who expect, I deserve this, I'm worthy of this, this is what I need and therefore I am worthy of having it. People who have a sense of entitlement are more likely to be disappointed by life. In fact, the study went on to say 
that entitle may lead you to live a life of chronic disappointment. <laughs> I like that phrase, chronic disappointment. And yet, our young people are being told, hey, you deserve this, you deserve this, you deserve this. We're setting them up for failure, is what this study showed. Those who expect and feel like they deserve what they get will actually be less satisfied with what they have. And in contrast to this, the prayerful life that Jesus offers is one that spans the need of God's daily grace. That says, I, God, I don't deserve this. I know who I am and I know who you are. But God, I need this. Father, I need you to provide only what you can provide. To give only what you can give. It is a life that recognizes that even the most minor moments of life are genuine blessings from God. That every day we are surrounded by moments of undeserved grace that are manifestations of God's love. And we pass by those moments every single day. Sometimes we, we get so caught up in our own heads. We get so caught up in our own minds. And we're wondering, God, show me. Help me to see how much you love me. I need to know that you love me. And we pass by these moments that God gives us every day in which God's voice is ringing to us as his people. I love you. I care about you. But if I'm going to come to God and talk to him with dependent requests, I have to recognize that the gifts that he offers are declarations of his love for me. And that is why I pray, my father... Because I know that my Father cares about my provision. He cares about me. And so I'm going to come to Him and long to talk to Him. Because that's the kind of God that He is. Now, as we conclude, while Jesus obviously understands the necessity of physical provisions, the necessity of these basic needs, you remember that just a couple of chapters earlier, He told Satan in Matthew 4, the man shall not live by bread alone. Do you remember that? But now he's saying you need to pray for daily bread. So which is it? Well, it's both, of course. See, the problem is, is that we pray for more than daily bread. Our prayers are mainly focused on the bread of life. We're focused on the physical aspects, our comfort and our convenience. And that's where it ends. And sadly, our prayers forget the lofty themes that begin and end the prayer. And we only focus in on the bread. And Jesus says, listen, I want you to pray about the bread. But sadly, we so often in our prayers forget that our greatest need is salvation from the wrath of God. Our greatest need is salvation. And God's grace met that moment within Jesus Christ. And he provided the living bread which is his son, John chapter 6 and verse 35. And let me tell you, every person that you know stands in need of the bread of life. Every, it doesn't matter how nice their house is. It doesn't matter how much they have in their retirement account. It doesn't matter who knows them or what company they're... They need Jesus Christ. And only God's grace can provide. 
And so, listen to me. The provision of the daily bread, the necessities, the basics of life, are not just for our comfort. Jesus isn't just saying, well, pray for daily bread so that you can get more bread. He's saying, pray for daily bread so that you can be energized for the mission that God has called you to as his people. That is why the kingdom come, your will be done, and forgive us and lead us is on both sides of this. We need the daily bread, but not just for my comfort. Not, that daily bread is not just an end in and of itself. But rather it is for the carrying out and the spreading and the extension of God's kingdom and the hallowing of his name. And so let's pray for the bread. Let's pray for the basic necessities of life, but not simply to live as natural people. Let us partake of God's provision so that we can participate in God's mission. Let us partake of God's provision so that we can participate in God's mission and let our prayers reflect that focus that we long for the bread of life. This morning, you maybe have not partaken of the bread of life. You're living simply focused on the daily bread. And that's all your life is about. You're living by that bread and you're living only for this life. Jesus calls you to something greater. Jesus calls you to something more. He calls you to a life of utter dependence upon the transcendent king of the cosmos. He calls you to be able to call him your father and to rely upon him and to trust in him and to live for him and to help him expand his kingdom, to help him expand the hallowing of his name throughout all creation. That's what he calls you to. But if you haven't put your faith in him, if you don't trust him, for your salvation. If you haven't confessed him as Lord and turned your life over to him in repentance, if you haven't been immersed for the forgiveness of your sins and you haven't partaken of that bread of life, then you can do that this morning. Whatever your need is, why don't you come as we stand and sing?